So you're saying to yourself, yo, sir, dude, I wanted to see Kevin Smith in Halifax, Nova Scotia, but the motherfucker sold out. Well, after I shed a tear for you, I highly recommend bookmarking csmod.com. That's the place on the worldwide interwebs to see all upcoming Smodco shows, updated with linky links to Tiki Tickets. Say it with me, baby. csmod.com. Nice. Ooh, I just got a little hard there. So, you're saying, yo, sir, dude, I love sir, and I want to show the world. Wear your sir love with our official t-shirts, biatch. Fishies have no eyes. Let us fuck. Jay and Silent Bob get old. The Garmy. There's also posters, action figures. There's so many to choose from. Grab your smirch at smodcast.com. Scroll down and click on Smerchandise. Hello, episode 20, Team Jack. Um, we're doing this one at Thursday morning, 10.20. I'm sleepy. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. We don't have a title. We'll have one by the end. But it's episode 20. It. I'm sleepy. I'm sleepy. I'm sleepy. <laughs> I think it's episode really 20, title. though. What's up? One more episode and we can drink, right? I can't wait. One more episode. I'm getting fucking podcast poisoning. um with us this week matt cohen hello and chris or christopher oh let's stick with chris chris hogue fewer syllables is always preferable chris you're on twitter let's we'll do it right up front it's at christopherhogue.com and i'm that's your twitter handle with the dot com in it oh no not dot com what am i saying that's my website um at christopher hogue but i also have a website too so that's what that is which is christopherhogue.com yeah exactly exactly probably one of few people we've had on the show unquote marks who actually has a website you can sit back chris okay no i actually can't the wire's (laughs) actually matt (laughs) Matt Cohn, would you just push the book exactly no i just i actually just joined just joined twitter like couple of weeks ago. And how you and Reiki. What? How you Reiki. It's cool. I, I follow mostly comedians and people who are really funny. That was kind of my goal with it, is just right. to be able to have a laugh every day. Right. But uh, I've only, t- I've only tweeted ask. one thing, and it was just because I started getting these um, invitations from these like buxom blondes. And it would just be like, you know, they want to follow me. And I was like, well, why? Who, who is this? Because I mean, I, and, <laughs> and leave, so I'd go to their Twitter. You have to leave I, the realm of who is this when you go on Twitter. It's I, like, I'd go to whatever. their Twitter page and there was like this, all of their tweets would be these, these like sort of semi Buddhist platitudes about have a beautiful day and smile at your parents. And I'm like, well, that, that's very nice. And then I like, look, <laughs> And it's like sexforall.com or something. And they're all like, they're all just whores. <laughs> so I was whores so with fortune, fortune cookie. Yeah. Fortune. So my first tweet was like, what's going on here? I don't understand this. So, That's hilarious. Yeah. That's hilarious. It's been fun. I've been enjoying Twitter. How many Twitter followers do you have? Uh, six. How many of those are whores? <laughs> oh, I don't accept them. Oh, okay. I actually don't accept them. I, I just like <laughs> no. You have your Twitter. no, no. I uh, that that just seems... you have your Twitter on lockdown to the point where you have to manually accept every follower. No, I don't. I don't. Um, right. But I di- I did. 
right. started off that way, but I right. changed it and I opened right. it up. So I've got like six followers, something like that. Well, again, as we say to all of our guests here on Team Jack, you make a note of what that Twitter count, Twitter count is before next Wednesday when the show goes online. Oh. You'll have nine, dude. And watch out. Oh, nine, watch. nine Twitter followers. Yeah, You're going to get I, three, I, but don't accept them. It's not going to be life-changing following my be, Twitter. Two of them might be whores, so watch out. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> no, I, I think I'm just going to like retweet shit that I find funny. And right. That's, that's about it. So. Right. Um, 104 char- 144 characters. Remember, you don't... An easy way to get rid of a character is... To not double space between a period and the start of your next sentence. Oh, that's a really uh, good just tip. a single space is is fine. Really. I read that at, that's actually that you shouldn't do that anyway. Like you shouldn't double space. Uh, yeah, I, it was an article on Slate by their tech guy, and he was talking about how when you're writing a paper or whatever, like whatever you're writing, that the double the double space thing is actually unnecessary. That when you look at a book, when you look at a published novel or something like that, that's not there. Well, and that's that interesting. actually it, 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 it's a little hiccup in our sight line. I, we're all probably so used to it at this point that it doesn't matter, but, huh. um, that it's just unnecessary. It takes up space. And that's so I, I actually tried to change it for a while and then I gave up because I've been doing it for so long. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Let me ask you this question. Yes. Chris Hogue, are you scared now? Always. <laughs> <laughs> when you're, when you, when you approach it that way, yes. Since you, um, since we segue, since we went from Twitter into double spacing, it made me think of wandering the aisles of the bookstore near where you live in, shall we say, suburban Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. You're technically in Los Angeles County, or are you not? Uh, Ventura County, actually. You're in Ventura yeah, County. Yeah. Is that bookstore still open? That yes, chain it is. bookstore? Oh, well, yes, it is. It By is. the Macaroni Grill? Yes, or no? it is. Was it Macaroni Grill? It is absolutely Grill? still open. Because yeah. it's a was that a Barnes and Noble or a Borders? Barnes and Noble, right? Did the you Borders any- that the Borders that was in Thousand Oaks actually closed, right? And nothing has survived in that building. It's cursed. It That's used to be a bowling so alley, though, was, isn't it? Hmm? I find the Borders thing. It's weird. Like it's not news. Obviously, Borders has gone out of business. It's not news, right? But yet, when I go down with Condon to like Sunset and Vine here to eat at Magnolias or whatever. And then you see it. You see the borders that was on the corner of Sunset and Vine in the uh, mixed-use development called Sunset and Vine. Right. Um, <laughs> and it's gone. It's still, it's it's like a fresh wound. It's so depressing that a large-chain bookstore has gone out of business. I don't know. I'm, I agree. It's a fucking bummer. It is a fucking bummer. I I don't. I I love being in a bookstore, and, yeah. and even better than a big chain like that is finding like a little, um, what do you call it? Private mom and pop store. Mom and pop store. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, what I wish still existed are those. Do you remember like in the movie The Howling when he goes and he finds those books on werewolves, the occult store? Oh yeah. The occult bookstore. Well, what about Dark Delicacies in Burbank? Well, that's awesome. I mean, yeah. that's. Uh, I think it's. Probably, probably one the of the last of its kind in the city, isn't it? Well, in this city for sure, but yeah. yeah, there's probably maybe I'm sure there are fewer than five across the country. Yeah, yeah. That specialize in dark delicacies for the uninitiated specializes in horror fiction and related ephemera. I would say. Yeah. Um, yeah you can really, get everything really cool from comics to 
Stephen King, Clive Barker, and then literally like probably. Isn't that where 5, you got me? Isn't that where you got me that, never that heard first of. edition um, Salem's Lot? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. We just had a signing there uh, with Mark Cadavaz, who wrote that illustrated companion for Twilight Saga Breaking Dawn Part 1. That dispenses with our requisite plug for this episode. <laughs> Very cool. Um, so they do rock. They're not above Twilight, and um, and there's nothing that they're beneath. So check it out if you're into horror fiction next time you're in L.A. Or I believe they have a website, and they do a lot of... Um, signings and stuff via mail so if they're having an author in who you're a fan of and uh you want something personalized to you they'll they'll get that done for you and then send it to you for a small fee so anyway um chris and i have known each other for quite some time uh chris will be composing theme music for team jack so that we can replace what is it matt cohen that we've been using for Second, 20 episodes now. Second instrumental bit of a Flaming Lips song. Right. Oh. That's what that is. I don't know. That's pretty hip. I know, man. Thank you. I, uh, Who picked it? You or Ken? Me. Uh, me. You? Yeah, yeah. And you can use eight seconds of anything legally? Pretty much. It's instrumental. I mean. Right. I think it's 20 seconds is a sample. Is a, what Chris, you do you know? I don't do you know, know your own business? No, no, not at How all. How many seconds of your music can I rip off and use without your permission or paying you a cent? As long as I own it, you can have anything you want. <laughs> <laughs> if but it's what owned, about If Matt? it's owned by some studio What about the person or, who lives over there? What about the person that lives over there? Yeah, how many seconds no. can they rip off? Lawyers. Lawsuits. <laughs> <laughs> it's over. <laughs> Lawyers is the amount of seconds. Um, Chris is a composer. Chris composes music for movies whatever, and TV. Whatever they'll pay me to score. Yeah. What? Whatever they'll pay me to score. And plays. Yeah, lately a, lot of, lately a lot of theater. Chris just scored a production of Suddenly Last Summer by Tennessee Williams. Uh, really? Text message? Which ends with... A, <laughs> which ends with... Uh, Still? Yeah, it's Marlon Wayans. Um... Which ends with, and we don't want to go too deeply into it because it's, it's not our, like our, most of our audience is so deeply not into this, but how great to do a play that initially is produced where? Uh, our production. Yeah. Uh, Cal Lutheran University. It's actually, uh, college theater. In Simi Valley, right? Uh, Thousand Oaks. Thousand Oaks? Thousand Oaks, California. A production of a play by Tennessee Williams where the, Lead character played by Elizabeth Taylor in the movie version of Same is basically goes around the bend. She's crazy, right? Right? Sort of. Yes. As yes. a result, at least in part, of watching her well, gay brother, maybe. Are you ta- you're talking about the mother? You're talking no, I'm about I'm talking about Venable? the end of that movie. Oh, I just no, want to get plays, to the punchline. Right. She, she plays Catherine. It's his, it's, it's, uh, his cousin. It's okay. his cousin, and she accompanies him to him on this trip, this last trip that he goes on to uh, Italy. Where is it? Oh, it's so embarrassing. I don't remember where where it is exactly. I just remember what happens. Someplace what like happens Italy. is so awful; it just blocks everything. All these out. little street urchins who he may or may not have been patronizing tear him apart. Yeah, and do they eat him or just tear I think him apart? It's Spain. I think it. I think is it uh, Spain? Yeah, coastal Spain, Playa San Sebastian, and yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, he basically is... And isn't uh, the cousin's name Sebastian? Yeah. Yeah. It's Sebastian, and they go on this trip together that he has always gone on with his mother... Right. Who has a stroke, and she no longer is um, attractive. Right. Which is very important because, um, and we're kind of rushing to the end of the play here, but... Uh, she's been essentially that's the salacious part. Yeah, just right to the salacious part. She's been unknowingly procuring for him. Right. Um, and uh, so as soon as that happens, he decides to invite his cousin. Right. And on that who is last, pretty. who who is what? Pretty. Yeah, very pretty, very pretty. And he even makes her wear like a really, really sheer bathing suit, and uh, just to attract. Young lads. Young men into his life and... Um, that he then seduces. That he then seduces and uh, takes into bathhouses. And and then, bizarrely, at the very end of this last trip, he uh, he is attacked by a group of them and run down right. and cannibalized. Cannibalized. They tear him apart they and eat him, They literally right? tear him to pieces and eat him. Right. Yeah. So it just... It, it, it's, it's incredibly, incredibly dark. And in this right. production, we... We set it in an insane asylum. So everybody is, um, everybody is essentially a patient. And right. the doctor who is interviewing initially Mrs. Venable, who is Sebastian's mother. Right. And then, uh, Catherine later on, last right. act of the play, as she begins to describe this scene of what happens to Sebastian, he starts to become Sebastian. Right. And the chorus, and the other actors begin to act out what she's describing. It's really a cool production. Wow. Uh, my friend Nate Sinnott directed it, and we actually became a semifinalist in the Kennedy Center College Theater Festival. What's up? Yeah, so we just went to Utah. We just went to Ogden, Utah, and put it up there with the other Region 8 finalists. Right. And uh I just drove all the way from LA to Ogden, Utah and back, right. which was which was quite in an February. experience. Yeah, well being a California boy, I uh I have very little experience driving in serious weather. And but it you, was uh, crazy. You spend a fair amount of time in Santa Fe or not? Is yes. it Santa Fe? Yes. Santa Fe. Do you not Definitely. drive there? I have. I have. Um less less in the last few years. Right. Just because now you fly. It's flying so much easier. I have friends there that I generally borrow a car from. Right. And uh, now they have amazingly a direct flight to the little mom and pop tiny Santa Fe airport right out of LAX. Well, that's crazy. Which is super cool. So, um, but even so, the drive from Los Angeles to Santa Fe would not necessarily really involve. No, 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 no. N- nothing, chains on nothing, tires. Well, I didn't, I actually didn't need chains on the tires, but, um, and, I'd never been really driven through Utah before, and it's so spectacular. I mean, on the drive up, it was clear weather and right. miles and miles and miles of just beautiful nothingness. Right. I was going to say God's country, but it's actually what Joseph Smith's country. Yeah, that that would that's exactly <laughs> who it is. Um, but uh, on the way back, that's when it was it got shitty. Oh yeah, every kind of weather, every wow. kind of weather, and uh, it was. I think we drove through two snowstorms. In a six-hour period, depending on our elevation, then... What's the best part of driving through a snowstorm, though? What's that? What's the best part of driving through a snowstorm? Oh, I don't know. The incredible amounts of stress. <laughs> 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 the, I'll tell you what the, the scariest part was. We were... 
I was going yeah, about 60 miles per hour. It wasn't too bad. It wasn't, there wasn't snow on the ground. It wasn't icy. It was a little cooler. I was constantly watching my temperature gauge to sort of see where we were at in terms of the potential for ice and whatnot. Right. And this truck comes on the side of me and it hits like a big puddle of wet sleet and ice and it just flies up and goes plop right on my windshield. And right. there's nothing like going 60 miles per hour and not <laughs> being able to see a thing Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> for like six seconds, you know? Yeah. And, uh, finally the windshield wiper goes, but, uh, no, it was, it was really crazy. There were cars off the side, off to the side of the road and, wow. um, but, uh, I feel very confident in my driving abilities. I think it was because, you know, you grow up in LA driving yeah. in a weird way. That's very good training. Here's my perception of the best thing about driving in a snowstorm, stopping at whatever shitty fast food roadside just just off the exit restaurant when i was a kid there was a chain called stuckies uh-huh. i don't know how far west they came it was all over the east coast though and you'd stop there at this chain and it was really designed for the mobile american the station wagon brigades right right and it was grilled ham and cheese sandwiches saltwater taffy just burgers shit food right and uh if to my mind if there's one upside in driving through a blizzard it's like oh god well there's that insert name of fast food sure we gotta pull over we gotta and i'm gonna eat whatever the fuck i want to well because i'm under such stress when you're in the middle of when you're in the middle of god's country or joseph smith's country what was there nothing nothing yeah, nothing. For miles I mean, like miles. towards the latter half of it, you you start to see. I mean, I'm talking about driving from the top of the state to the bottom of the state, right down the middle. Yeah. And towards the latter half of it, you start to get like those big J travel centers, which are more for like semis and truckers, and they've got every right. kind of beef jerky known to man and child prostitution. Oh, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I did truckers. see. I did see something interesting on the drive up, and there was a there was a huge billboard and this is really in the middle of nowhere i mean they're right. really these little like almost like farming communities in a way that are just in, there's just nothing they're right. surrounded by nothing i just kept wondering what everybody does there but there, Child there was prostitution <laughs> <laughs> buying and selling frank uh, you know God, I hope life not. but um there was this giant billboard and it had it was a black billboard and there was a giant nuclear mushroom cloud on it. Right. And it just said disaster planning and then go to this website. And I was yep. like, no, that's terrible. Yeah. It's just, they're scaring all these people in the boonies into thinking that those you people know, are already scared. We're on the edge of, we're on the edge of nuclear annihilation. Well, it is 2012. And you need to, you need to like get all your food storage and your, mm-hmm. uh, your basement going and whatnot. But our food is stored. Both oh, yeah. of our food is stored. Chris oh, that's Hogue right. And it I is. Are, in our, our total, in our um, Chris Hogue and I are total, I don't even know. We're like, survivalist is a bit extreme, I would say. But let's just say, in my household, as well as in your household, in your household, you're a single man. Mm-hmm. In my household, I'm the one who makes sure that every 12 months, the 60 gallons of Arrowhead or Crystal Geyser, I think, um, pro- cheap product placement. Crystal Geyser. <laughs> <laughs> so delicious just after the big one. 
Right. It's exactly one. <laughs> well, that's it's exactly it. that, the bottled water I want to give myself a horror bath with. That's really Crystal the Geyser. crux of this whole thing. Is the big one is the idea. Yeah. That, uh, yeah. We live on the. We live in this. We live in this crazy place where um, there's this tremendous likelihood that we're going to have a uh, catastrophic earthquake. Really, really huge earthquake. A catastrophic seismic event. Did you see? Did you? Did you see that that shake that shake map thing that they developed? Uh. Uh-uh. Oh man, I should have brought it with me. It's uh, the USGS and and um, got together with the city and got together with all these disaster planners and right. and you know these geologists probably online they, right. It's totally online, yeah. And uh-huh. they have this really amazing color coded map of the state and where the greatest likelihood of the next big quake is here. Right. And it's going to be they think the the southernmost part of the San Andreas Fault, which runs basically right down the middle of Riverside County. Okay. And um, all other parts of the San Andreas Fault above that have gone in like the past hundred within the past hundred years, something like that. I'm right. I'm totally paraphrasing this. I don't know the right. exact exact statistics, but sure. The the lower part has not done it in like three hundred years. Okay. So that's where they're saying it's going to happen. Riverside County. Yeah, yeah. And the thing that just scares the crap out of me that. is the idea. What? I can live with that. Yeah. <laughs> no, you don't want to live with this. It's it's bad. They they say that it actually can't get above a certain um thing on the Richter scale, like it's seven point eight or something like that. It can't okay. get can't get past an eight or something. Okay. But the real problem is gonna be the duration. Is right. that instead of like what was it, like a ten second quake or right. whatever it was for, for Northridge for Northridge in nineteen ninety four. It's gonna be at least like a minute. Yeah. And even structures that have been right, you know, uh that have with the new earthquake codes and the new building codes and all of that, that right. you think are going to stay up. Mm, maybe. Maybe not. Maybe. You never know. Maybe. So, you never anyhow. know. We live in a great house, obviously. I could do with a move, honestly. Really? Yeah, I totally could. Even though we're on a we're on a hillside which is as was explained to us by Larry Parmley of Parmalee Geology. Parmalee Geology, together with Crystal Guys, are presenting episode 20 of Team Chat. <laughs> the, earth, um, the earthquake paranormal Larry, episode. when you buy or sell a house or whatever in Los Angeles County, the guy you want to get is Larry Parmalee from Parmalee Geology to do your geological or geologic, I can't remember, which is shorthand for your geological survey or your geological report on how much of your house is sitting on bed bedrock versus That's how awesome. much is sitting on fill how near the surface is the bedrock etc cetera, etc cetera. and as larry explained to me himself the good news about our house is where is the bedrock is fairly close to the surface on this part of the hill that sitting on any hill is better than being in the so-called flats because the hill acts as a shock absorber in the event of a seismic event, where the flats, the flat, sandy sort of floor of the basin here in front of us, or the flats, you know, floor of the valley, yes, uh, conducts seismic shock waves like, exponentially it, it more like effectively. E- it's sort of like echoes than rock under does. the ground, and yeah, and it just ma- it magnifies the shaking. Totally, but still, we're on crazy. a fucking. We're on a hillside. We don't have. We don't really have any stilts involved with this house, but it's just like I could rather. I would you rather be. Stilts? You know what I'd like to be is like on a. Oh, I guess on this a is hill. Solid, yes, like straight down, isn't it? Into the well, into the it's hill. Not like I don't know. 
all these books are going to end up on the fucking hillside or something, and then the right. sprinklers are going to be going off on the timer. It's going to be a shit show. Yeah, I really hope it doesn't happen while we're doing this. I don't yeah, want to be in won't. this house when it happens. It won't. <laughs> would make for interesting podcasting, though. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Podcasting history. Yeah, that wouldn't be the Shreepy podcast anymore. No, no. Um, but Chris and I always uh, go out to, like, I can't even remember the name of the... There's a company called Secure It, it was in, in Southern Moore, California. It was in they'll, Park. they'll hang your pictures on the wall and make sure that that fucking mirror, for instance, that's over our fireplace. Oh, you're not talking about not our, our car down. kits. You're no, but about. it's a, it's a, those are companion companies. They're operated out of the same space. Oh. And the other one is maybe called like Quake Care. Okay. Something like that. And they'll sell you your astronaut food and your box water and, all this other shit that you need to get in order to, and by the way, everybody should have it because yeah. while we're, while we've touched now on one of our mutual obsessions, I think, which is earthquakes. Let's just talk about what Seattle is in for. Let's just talk about what St. Louis and Memphis are in for. Right. Let's just talk about the giant fault line that, oh, they just, dis- not just discovered, but discovered. I don't know whether they discovered it within the last hundred years or within the last hundred years, it sort of became more. Another pubic hair on the mic, Matt. Um, what is going on? That it's runs underneath here. New York City. How well do you think those subway tunnels well, over 100 years old not, are going to perform in a seismic event? And not to mention no earthquake building codes whatsoever. None. All, all of these old brick buildings. You yeah. know, it's like that's all. Which is also, by the way, most of Seattle, which is why Seattle is like yeah. bracing for their major, major, major because uh, they're right on, overdue. isn't it? Because they're right on. They're on like, a massive the subduction right, zone. Subduction zone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just off the, just off uh, the coast. Do you think that God. space needle goes right over? In a bad yeah. lake? Yeah, instantly. I do. Right? Yeah, yeah. I do. Yeah. So do I. I have to shout out to our mutual friend Ryan. Ryan Balch. Who, yes. Who is? Uh, is he on Twitter? I don't know if he's on Twitter, but is Ryan Balch on Twitter. Well, I don't know if he is. That would be amazing. All I know is that if he's listening to this podcast right about now, he's 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 having he's having a fit of post traumatic stress disorder. <laughs> and I apologize. Is Ryan. he still in New York? He's still in New York. Yeah, but he he was in he was in um, he was in Japan, Japan for for the big one last year. Yeah, yeah. Where literally, like, you're walking down the middle of the street, and suddenly there's like seawater seeping up. Through the cracks That's, of the sidewalk, yes, because he was guess about what? That was an aftershock. The entire fucking district of the city has been built out over water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was walking along the city street. There's and also literally he watched the street split. Yeah, in front of him, and part of it was moving one direction, and part was moving the other way, and water started to bubble up. Uh huh. But when the first when the first really big, big, big part of the quake happened, he was actually backstage in a theater, at, like uh, like at Tokyo Disneyland, and, right? Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Uh, what is Universal the name of the Studios. City he was in. No, it's it's outside of Tokyo. It's, but it was Disneyland. It was a Disney. It's property. a Disney thing. Yeah, it was Tokyo, a Disney. Yeah. Disney Park. Sea. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It. What is it? It's it's a city that's actually on a man-made part yeah, of the it, island. Disney Sea is the name of the park. I'm not sure what city. It's, uh, fuck, I can't remember what city it's in. We do have Google though, but um, you have Google. I do. I could text him. It's really close. It's like 30 minutes from the other Disneyland in Tokyo. Or, yeah, or it could closer, it could I be think. that. Huh. 
I, there's a name for the city though, and it's not Tokyo. It's not a part of Tokyo. It's it's definitely somewhere else. You know who I give a lot of credit to during that event, like all of our collective experience, sort of of like, oh God, massive earthquake, Japan, Ryan Balch over there. Oh yeah, mobilizing. I think you and I probably both. You and I, you and I were on point his mother. With that absolutely. But his mother was well, a no, fucking she was, rock she was star. Because she was like. What's that? Chiba. Sorry, that's it. Chiba. Chiba you're yeah, absolutely it's, right. It's, it's, that's it's, exactly it's, it's what it Disney is. Yeah. Sea, yeah. It's like a man-made um, water-themed Disney park. Totally. That's it. And there's he, tons of videos from the earthquake from the Disney parks. Of, right. Like, that's how I first found out. Because on Disney blogs, people were posting, like, uh, it's insane. There's like a thousand people on Main Street under, like... Natural uh, threat to Disney District. <laughs> District 22 <laughs> under attack from natural elements. And they gave everyone um, those kind of uh, tinfoil-looking thermal wraps and like a Mickey Mouse souvenir glass of water. It's a weird, weird fucking... Seawater. It's awesome. Seawater, yeah. <laughs> Disney seawater. Um, yeah, he said he was... When he was backstage in that... Fr- I'm so sorry, Ryan, if you're listening to this and I'm taking it back. Maybe yeah, this is I'm, good He therapy. has not listened to one of these podcasts. But, you know, um, he was backstage at this thing and I asked him at one point, you know, when it was okay to ask him this, I just said, what was it really? What was it like? I mean, when that thing hit and he said it was completely unreal. Like, yeah. it was so violent and so intense. Yeah. He really, truly thought it was over. He thought, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm dead. Reality just changes. Yeah. Just shifts so violently and abruptly into like, you can't even, your brain can't wrap, wrap itself around. And well, and that's what's, that's what's so fucked up about earthquakes is that, you know, everything that you count on in terms of the foundation that you step on every day. Yeah. Suddenly is moving. Not to be, it's it's not not to be counted on. It's not to be counted on. Yeah. Yeah. I'm from New York, so I, I'm not used to earthquakes, so I think I've been in Two. But you're going to be. Oh yeah, I think I've been in uh, two now, and both times I immediately think I'm having a stroke. Oh really? That it, I, I think that it's all in me, and oh. I have to like look at stuff outside to realize it's a really right. unnerving fucking feeling. Thing. Right. Yeah, yeah. It, but most the two that you've been in have been like the gentle rollers. No, we had, I mean, we've been too decent. They were, I mean, for me, they were decent. Uh, right. Nothing crazy. There was one. Maybe like eight months ago, and then one three years ago that was pretty bad. I remember I was working at Henson, and I was in an old uh, chaplain like office, and literally the foundation of the building moved over like a foot and a half. Wow! Like all the entire everything just shifted in the office. The shelves were further away from me. Wow! It was fucking scary. Yeah, that's amazing. It's kind of cool though. I've only been in like a a gentle roll number one, Mm -hmm. where it's like, oh wait a minute, are we having an earthquake? Do you feel that? Are we yeah. having an earthquake? Oh yeah, it's just a gentle, huh? And then the other one where it's like, it's hard to describe, but there's, there's a single sharp jolt. And it kind of, the thing that it conjures is like a massive truck that's just blown by your house at top speed. Or but it's by the time you're registering it, it's over. And it's like, did we just have an earthquake? And inevitably, like, cell phones, and if you're online, you're instant messaging or whatever. It's like, did you just feel that? You know, everybody's reaching out to everybody else trying to, did that just happen? Yeah. And then you're bombing the USGS website looking for, like, the little tiny, tiny there's a box great, There's that a great marks. app, actually, for the iPhone called I Felt That. Really? Yeah. That actually lists all 
all of them, like the little tiny ones that happen constantly in California. And really? It, it goes worldwide. There's another app, I, I, or maybe it was a website, but it's, um, it lists every kind of disaster in real time going to like biological outbreak, like earthquakes, oh, like tsunamis. That's nice. It's, <laughs> that's it's, nice. It's, like famine, like it's can fucked you, up. Can you find the name of that? Yeah, yeah, I'll look it up. Um, let's, let's it search the app store a, for famine. It was a government department <laughs> thing. Uh, <laughs> but the amount of earthquakes every day is incredible. The ones that yeah. just don't yeah, it's reporting. really, it really is. They're con- it's constantly happening, and we just. But you know what? It's like we well, live can't, here, you can't, you, and you can't live your life. Who's you can't live your life in fear of that? Marlon, that's Marlon. real bullshit. It's Marlon, he's. I think he's an Indonesian. They oh. just went through a really rough one like seconds ago. Hang on, I'm checking. It could be if it's Kim. Tell her to stop fucking calling here, though. <laughs> We're cool with Marlon. Um the the north the Northridge quake was. Was definite. Were you here for that? No, Matt? I've only been out here like four years. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. Northridge was, was, that's the biggest one I've ever been when in. When was that? 94. Oh, yeah, that was 94. I'm retarded. Wait you a minute. Were, Am I having a stroke? That. Wait a minute. Are we having an earthquake? And that one totally was. I wasn't here, actually. Big, huge jolt. Yeah. Um, and then lots of movement. Happened. Yeah. So, and the other thing that uh, sometimes doesn't get mentioned about earthquakes is the sound. Yeah, there's this there's this low frequency thing, this low rumbling sound, like uh, a subwoofer in a movie theater. That uh, it's it's terrifying. It's, yeah. it's such an amazing sound. Nothing. And then when like Bill that. lived in his old house, uh, points east of here, Silver Lake, he goes out on the front porch, where he's got a pretty he's got a pretty great view of downtown, which is not far off, and between. His the front porch of his house and downtown. He watches all of these transformers on poles, telephone poles and power poles. Yeah, pop, I catch fire, go out. You start to see the blackout happen, and all, and it looks like all these trees are on fire because it's these transformers burning. Right? Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Some friends of mine. Were, some friends of mine were camping on um, on a mountain near Thousand Oaks and they uh, that morning when that happened it woke them up and they stood up and they just watched all of these explosions happen across the city really yeah and the and I, they were probably really high and yeah. they just thought <laughs> oh god war of the worlds <laughs> yeah they the thought cylinders are underground they, they were they weren't quite sure what was going on but it, wow. it was really bad so. wow um matter have you um teed up information as far as uh, the I famine know, app, I couldn't. Yeah, I yeah, couldn't yeah. tell. I, no, it was some government. Um, I'll, it's on my browser at home. Okay. I'll, I'll send it next time. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, Chris lives very near Thousand Oaks, shall we say? And one of the things that has bonded Chris and I together over the years is not baseball, as James Earl Jones said so eloquently near the end of Field of Dreams, but rather poltergeist. Oh right. And the fact that Chris lives very very close to key locations from the opening of the original Toby Hooper, Steven Spielberg directed yes. <laughs> um, movie from 19, uh, 1982, the giant tree where the kids are lazily circling since cut down. Now, isn't it used that, isn't that used in ET as well? Isn't the giant it, tree. Some of those, some of the neighborhood shots, isn't that right around that yeah, area as well? Definitely. Yeah. Cause yeah. the, both those movies were made at the same time. Right. And you're also, you and I hiked to that ridge overlooking that certain neighborhood out there that was then where the graveyard supplemented where the graveyard by is. a map painting of the graveyard on the left hand side of the frame. 
but everything on the right-hand side of the frame was actually a real subdivision. Yeah. Um, we've seen that, and then both of us obviously have been to the Poltergeist, hou- Poltergeist House, which still stands in residential Simi Valley. Yep. And it... As it's, well it's as it's Elliot's a, house from E.T., and which still, stands, still I mean, stands. it really, really looks exactly like it did in the movie. Yeah. So you just come up this hill, and it's just like, whoa. Yeah. Check it out. That's, yeah. That's it. Yep. Um, I found the website. It's a tough one. H-I-S-Z dot R-S-O-E dot H-U. And bring up a global alert map, and it shows you every current emergency in the world from... Like, but, but that's not an iPhone app. It's not an iPhone app. It's a website. Right. Okay. Um, but everything from vehicle, like uh, serious vehicle, like accidents to to, <laughs> to famine and like genocide. Like it says, there's a genocide right now. Uh, awesome. Have a nice day. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that should be the name of that app. Have a nice day. <laughs> that's what it stands for. Have a nice H. Have a nice day. There we got a hazmat event right now at the Auckland Airport in New Zealand. There was a shipping incident in Guangdong Province, China. Flash flood in Cusco. Landslide in I don't know where that is. Lots of stuff going on. Volcano eruption. Underwater volcano erupted today. Yeah. Well. Ruined the ruined the day for those fish. <laughs> but then, like, vehicle accident in the state of Washington. That one I don't get as much. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Unless he killed, like, 800 people. Like, he yeah. drove the vehicle <laughs> into a nuclear reactor. <laughs> That's such a trip that something like that exists. I wonder if you can customize it. Like, if you can, you like... You can, too. I mean, just America, just earthquakes, just hazmat <laughs> You can actually customize yeah. it by yeah. the kind of disaster. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I only want to know about, I only want to know about motorcycle accidents involving, I don't know. <laughs> toddlers. Uh, toddlers, right. Toddlers. <laughs> Ma- mass deaths. Toddlers of who animals. couldn't toddle out of the way fast enough to beat that motorcycle. Yeah, that's, I, I, I feel like that's toxic. I mean, I, who wants that always in your life? You know, I it's don't. like, it's why I don't watch, I want it's, some why big I don't, awareness. it's why I don't watch local news. You, you know, mean, you mean you don't want to read what, Objects are approaching Earth within the next 30 days when they give you the no. diameter, the distance, the velocity? No. This website fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> Mass death of animals in uh, Turkey right now. Doesn't say what kind of animal, but... All right, I'm going to stop. We should just read that app for the Good morning, the America. Yeah. Exactly. Technology is awesome. Um, Poltergeist. Poltergeist, yeah. Um, our shared obsession and Chris's my obsession not shared with Chris but just for your sort of team Jack geek cred your, the great obsession of your life in terms of movies is the howling which you've already made one reference to on your own yes well the it, be- near I, the beginning of this podcast there, there, and there's a very 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 specific reason why and that is because I saw it at way too young of an age Right. I saw it when I was a really little kid, and it scared the shit out of me. I right. had nightmares for like three months. What'd you do with that wolf? What? What'd you do with that wolf I gave you? Oh, it's in my office. What about the American werewolf? It's covered upstairs. It's covered upstairs. In I have this. Room? I have this. This increasingly hard to explain, <laughs> bizarre collection of menagerie. Um, like museum Lincoln, piece werewolf props that are just like Menagerie. people come into my house <laughs> it's no longer alone oh this is chris this is my friend chris he's a composer it's now can we see the werewolves can we see the there's monsters? a guy named we should digress there's a guy named patrick mcgee 
Pat McGee. I think the company is McGee Effects. If you're into Alien, uh, Alien, Aliens, Predator, American Werewolf in London, The Howling. I'm trying to think what else I've seen at his shop. This guy makes life-size replicas that are fucking amazing the, the, and the best not only can, are the they best you can imagine of this sort of thing. accurate I mean, it's, it's hyper hyper accurate they're even, idealized they're, they're better slightly they're, idealized they're better than they which, are in the movie yeah frankly. they're better than at least i haven't i haven't side by sided did you come to that conclusion with his life size which makes it how how many feet tall uh it's the howling i think it's eight and a half feet tall so this eight and a half feet tall howling werewolf that i got you last fall mm-hmm. did you side by side it with the, what you could make out in the albeit very dimly lit movie close-ups it's 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 considerably different and pat was very clear about that i mean right. Pat was very clear that he really he really did kind of his take on that werewolf it was inspired by it right but um do you prefer it it's uh, it, it's, it's just different. I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to top the creature that scared me most as a child. Right. Which is really where this is all going. And that right. is, I saw that movie when I was a little boy and, and it, it, it just absolutely, absolutely terrified me. And, um, as I grew up, I came to love that, that monster creature, that yeah. creature, you know, yeah. I, I just sort of embraced it and, and it's always kind of fascinated me, even though there's an incredible dearth of really good werewolf movies it's just such a rare thing but right um it's uh yeah so that movie and the funny thing is is the howling is it's kind of campy and silly and yeah what's well, a joe dante but movie. the the design the the creature design in that movie is is just i think it's unmatched that by so, rob botine rob botine yeah who later went on to well not later at, at during the same period was doing john carpenter's the thing he was um I think The Howling was his big break, and then he went on and he did John the Carpenter's thing, after the thing that. which is his yeah, because The Howling his, was first, probably his You're masterpiece. Right. I mean, You're right. he, um, oh, I mean, the the stuff in the thing is just incredible. Yeah, it's so good. Um, his American Werewolf, jumping back to Pat McGee, his life size American Werewolf, which is crouched on all fours. To my, I did side by side the face. Yeah. Of the original, which is owned by Bob Burns and was re- designed by Rick Baker, 58-time Academy Award-winning makeup artist Rick Baker, mm-hmm. now owned by Bob Burns, restored by, again, my friend Tom Spina, Tom Spina Productions. But for my money, the 3% that Pat McGee idealized the American Werewolf is for the better. Yeah. I, I, I think the one in the movie looks a little dog-like. The one in the and and the one in the movie, I think, is really dependent on on sound lighting and, and sound, sound, and sound all that of that. And, Wolf and makes this thing that this thing that Pat McGee made is incredible. It's incredible. I mean, yeah. there's there's literally even after having had it for a while, whenever I get the thing out, it's yeah. like 
you look at the, there's, there's just this little instinct in the back of your brain that when you see it, when you see this hulking, unbelievable, terrifying creature. And Chris has it presented at eye level, roughly, when you come into the. Yeah, I get it. I get it out, around Chris's Halloween place, and, and mounted on top, over the stairs. So it's like right in the middle of the room. And it's literally. And you just walk eye in level. and you see this thing and awesome, there's this. Dude, it's so awesome. Yeah. And there's I, this little instinct in the back of your brain that just goes. There's a fucking monster right there. You know, you life need to get you need size, to get out of this room. It's, life, it's terrifying. Size. A friend of mine, uh, I was at his place for the first time this week, and he has the blood suit from Bram Stoker's Dracula, like the the actual hero Oldman, like red horned fucking thing, and it's just like Whoa. hung in the middle of his living room, like dimly, dimly lit. What and is I, it? Do you remember in Bram Stoker's Dracula, the beginning? The, the big suit. robe that he wears? No, it's that form-fitted kind of red striated Oh, oh the armor. armor. The armor and it's that, the real, that, it's uh, the yeah, real yeah, one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Can you give the initials of your friend? Uh, you might, you might uh, maybe off the show a little. Okay. No, 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 no. Who the fuck owns? But of a good, good friend of his, uh, actually. Uh, really? Yeah, uh, let's pause that's an expensive piece, dude. Yeah, he's got a lot of stuff. Um, wow. And I walked out and I just saw it and it was the scariest fucking thing of all time. I can't imagine. What, it's just that unnerving, like putting something that kind of dark in your house. Yeah. To give yourself that little scare seems like a really cool thing to do. Wow. Yeah. It, it, and it's like very, I was, it's very, I mean, they are really the ultimate Halloween decorations, but honestly, after having them out for a few weeks, it, it, it actually becomes right? a little tiring. Yeah. Um, you're just, you're, you're, like I say, I still think that there is this weird little instinct in the back of your brain, especially with something as, as well realized as what Pat does, that you're just kind of, there's this little thing, you, you know, it's not real, but there's still a little part of your brain that goes, yeah, I had this, I uh, should run. Interested parties, by the way. I'm just, uh, I've just pulled up his website is at, McGee Effects, M-A-G-E-E-F-X. Yeah. Dot com. Super, super sweet guy. Patrick too. McGee. Really I love great. that, though. You'll my, get an eyeful at that website, friends. Going back to that thing, though, my I got a voodoo doll. Someone bought me a voodoo doll once, and I was like, oh, this is fucking amazing. And I put it on my wall, and then after like a day, it really started to unnerve me to a point where I, <laughs> I had to get it out of my house. And I've, that's happened a few times with a few different objects in my life where there's just been such a horrible vibe about it huh. that, that I've had to get rid of it. I don't know what it is. I, I kind of dig that, though, I think. Well, well I, at least something still has the ability to have that power. In you your know what life. I mean? Yeah, like I rarely get scared from from horror films, but there are. I I still think I in in the back of my mind I enjoy that that primal kind of yeah. scared shitless thing a little bit. You know? Yeah. The the ultimate in that that I that I've come across is I was with a group of friends once and I was introduced to this uh, this guy and we just started chatting and he asked me if I know if I knew who John Wayne Gacy was. I said, yeah, serial killer. And, and, uh, and he says, well, did you know that he was a painter and he would paint clowns? Yep. And I said, that's right. That is really scary. He says, I have one. Yeah. I said, you're kidding. He said, no, it, it actually hangs over my bed in my bedroom. What the fuck? That's exactly what I was I know thinking. A guy, and yeah. I was I was seriously You should I, name this person. No, I'm totally when I, kidding. When I, oh, I didn't I couldn't even I couldn't. I don't know who he was. Wow. But I mean, I, I literally 
just like psychically backed away from this person instantaneously. And like, by the how way, did you have that I, in I, your bed? I know a guy with a Manson collection, and above his bed is the uh, the jacket that they made for him at the trial, like the pilch. Yeah, really. I know people who have fucked up hobbies. Not the same guy who owns not the, the Bram Stoker's Not the Dracula. same guy at all. People have fucked up hobbies. Um, that's bad, mojo. but that's bad to have in your bad to have in your space. But we don't judge here at Team Chat. No, certainly not. No, <laughs> we love everybody. And if you're interested in acquiring any, know. if you're interested in acquiring this stuff, and you don't want to go the internet route of eBay or whatnot, um, there is a place in Burbank, right next to House of Secrets, which is the one of the best comic book stores in L.A. They'll also do an incredible job of framing for you. Just ask for Paul and tell him Jack sent you. Um, there's a get that team jack discount exactly this show is just packed with sponsorships oh, yeah, this my God. Week. um there's a store right next to house of secrets called hyena gallery which is spelled h-y-e-n-a-e gallery owned by a guy named bill and his total specialty is horror artwork and it's a mixture of original art that's sort of just horrific but not about anything in particular and then when adam cook who has been on the show before and i were last in there there were two pieces not one but two pieces on the wall by the same artist one of which is no longer on the wall mm-hmm. uh, is now at adam's place um that were images of the chauffeur from burnt offerings oh does that mean anything to you? Rings Dan Curtis what is directed a movie about a big house that's actually up in Oakland that this family moves oh, no, into no, no. with like Betty else. Davis. I was else. And uh, the house gradually comes back to life. This Mrs. Allergash is living up in the attic of the house and they just have to look after the house while her kids, played by like Burgess Meredith and some other woman, it's like from the early 70s or whatever. But Oliver Reed stars as the patriarch of this family who moves in for the summer to look after the house. It's a bit of a shining knockoff. Hmm. And um, his parents died when he was very young. And he still has vivid nightmares about the sort of old Model T style hearse that um, brought his parents' bodies to their funeral. And the chauffeur, who is wearing a, a very slim black costume, sort of a black cap and dark sunglasses, who just smiled at him during the funeral. And it's super creepy. You want to smoke weed? No, Oh, for the front bathroom, dude. No, that way. Um, I have not, I've definitely not seen this movie. Burnt Offerings. Yeah. Anyway, so where are you going to find original art? Of the character, of the fucking chauffeur character, which is pretty much as esoteric and niche as you're ever going to get. Um, where are you going to find that in the United States? And the answer is Hyena Gallery in Burbank. So, and they do sell. And again, we don't judge. They, if you need to go buy it, if, if you're really vexed for Christmas or that birthday party that you're late to, and you need to pick up a gift that you know will be remembered <laughs> for good or ill. <laughs> and you need a John Wayne Gacy original or a Jeffrey Dahmer original. They carry that stuff? Yeah, he oh, does. wow. He does. In a very limited way, but it's in there. Yeah. And there are also like 
last time I was in there, he had... An artist had done something, some like very, very, very rudimentary touch-up, very rudimentary touch-up of a large format crime scene photo from the Sharon Tate crime scene of Sharon Tate's body with the body of, like, the male producer friend who was also killed by the Manson family. What do you mean by touch-up? It was just... Meaning it wasn't... Uh, if memory serves, and I could be getting this wrong, you you didn't just have the option to, be, to buy a large-format crime scene photograph of that crime scene, the Sharon Tate murder. There was, there, something had been done to it very, very slightly that sort of took it into the realm of art, whether you agree with it or not. But there it was, you know? Yeah. And by, and next to that on the wall is, you know, Ronald McDonald as Satan or something like that. Something a little more conventional. But this guy's sort of has the gamut. He's a super, super chill guy. Um, I've actually, he's got a couple of artists that he deals with a lot who are, fucking amazing who I've commissioned uh, to do original paintings of Fluffy from Creep Show, which this, I have in my I have office. Check this place out. That sounds it's great. Pretty, it's pretty crazy. Um, but yeah, it's sort of, you know, Burbank, California, dude. House of Secrets, Dark Delicacies, and Hyena Gallery. The Last Bastion yeah. of genre art. Uh, all within spitting distance of Warner, where, the Warner Brothers back lot, the Disney Studios, Universal Studios. Well? Isn't Pat out of Burbank or somewhere? Yeah, all those makeup and visual effects guys are in like Panorama City or Canoga Park or yeah. parts of the valley, yeah, for sure, where the the um, warehouse space is cheap. Right, right. Yeah, totally. So Cool. Yeah. It's, I don't know. It's It's interesting. I don't feel the need to um, necessarily own a piece of art created by a serial killer, but I also don't find it that interesting. And I find it, personally, I just find it a little cliche, like the idea of owning something like that. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't outrage me as much as I just sort of go like, oh, really, like how 10 years ago. When Char you know, Charles Manson has had been doing art from his cell and shit too, and it's all just sort of like Sure. You well, know, and, you well, know and, the first guy to start who most famously started acquiring some of this shit was Johnny Depp. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and do you stand in judgment of him when you're buying your ticket to Pirates of the Caribbean part six? Well, and I don't I don't mean to sound like I stand in judgment. <laughs> no, I, I know, I'm totally I, bullshitting, but Johnny Depp honestly, collects a lot like, of that stuff. If I if I the the thought of having something that is created by a mass murderer, you know, or, yeah. or a serial killer serial or something killer. like that in mm -hmm. my house, yeah, that I see every day, yeah, for me personally, that would just you don't be, need it. it. Oh, it would just be incredibly toxic for me. Yeah, just you don't because need that. there might the way my mind works is I would every time I would regard that thing, I would go. Oh, that's right. That person killed killed this person. This person. This well, person. it's hard not it's to look like, at something that was made by the hand of. Yes. Colored by the hand of, yes. drawn by the hand of, and not reverse engineer that and sort of go, well, the same hand that drew that line 
also. Yeah, the local news is bad enough for me. I, I don't yeah. need serial killers artifacts in my house, but yeah. I, I, and if someone just has it because it's a really interesting conversation piece and a curiosity, I suppose it doesn't mean you're a serial killer. It doesn't mean you want to be a serial killer, but yeah, it's it's um. It's it's just not for me. It's, yeah, it's, it's such a bizarre thing. I get that, and but fucking clowns. Artwork. Yeah, I mean, well, that's Eric Odom's thing too. Is clowns. <laughs> no thanks. Terrifying. No thanks. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't feel the need to. I'm not drawn to any of that stuff either. But I am drawn to original artwork based on the chauffeur from Burnt Offerings, or Fluffy from Creep Show. Yeah. Or I don't know certain subjects. It's like you couldn't sell me a Freddy Krueger anything really it's so played out the master the master from salem's lot yes yeah barlow while i have no interest in the serial killer thing i will admit to being obsessed with jack the ripper like it just in my mind right now like i would kill for that fucking dear boss letter in my house one day you know what i mean oh, really Art, like jack the ripper artifacts yeah and not out of any perverse thing i'm just fascinated with that whole didn't they recently just have sort of a break in that case in the last year not that I, not that I'm aware of. Patricia you should Google that if you're interested. Pat- dude. Patricia Cornwell wrote Cornwell that book. Cornwell wrote that book, and everyone for a minute thought she figured it out, but then they, it turned out to be debunked again. So that, I, I don't think they'll ever know. You should run a Google search, Duke, because within the last year, there was definitely some new thinking out of Scotland Yard. My friend Mark as to who is it was. totally on top of this. He would know the answer. He's a ripperologist. Right I listen to yeah, podcasts yeah. and shit. Like it's it's and it's such a weird. Um, he travels to London and is like I've done, I've done the, the Whitechapel tour. Yeah, I've yeah, done yeah. that whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know what it is about that specific one that gets that. Did you see David Fincher's Zodiac movie? I did. Yeah. And I liked it. It was a little too procedural. I love like, that for my movie. Taste. I love that movie. I think it's. I love. personally find that to be his best film. Agree. Although I think it's. I'm, a, I'm, I'm totally f- talking out of my hat here because I haven't seen Dragon Tattoo and uh, I, you know what I haven't seen that. that I, haven't I never saw either. Social Network either, but I'm a Fight Club guy. Yeah, I yeah. love Zodiac. I mean, it's 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 just parsing good movies, and they're all good, but. Um, uh, I, I I think Zodiac is the least. Oh God, can I say this? They're just there's there's nothing gimmicky about it. It's just yeah. so it's so mature and straightforward and, and straightforward evokes California and in a way beautifully, especially shot the murders of um the or the the murder of the girl and the attempted murder of the guy up the at Lake Berryessa. Lake Berryessa yeah, yeah, are yeah. so. That quality of that light is so it's fucking. I love yeah. the way that movie is shot. The movie it. looks like the seventies. Yeah. It's, it's just it's so fantastic. If we have one recommendation, great score by David Shire as well. Really subtle Zodiac this this week. Yeah, we should do a movie recommendation go every week. Death to Smoochie. <laughs> I'm not even joking. I think everyone in America, everyone in America should see it at least once. Who directed and comic that? book men on AMC. What's up? directed that. Um, um, I love me some smoochie, man. Have you uh, seen the? Tra- do you see the trailer for uh, God Bless America? The, the um, Bobcat, Bobcat Goldthwait. Yeah, I think that looks pretty. Funny. I think it looks kind of awesome too. <laughs> Did you I see that, know. Jack? No. It's uh, <laughs> it's like some kind of middle-aged losery guy who finds out he may or may not have a terminal illness and goes on a murder spree with like a thirteen-year-old girl against like all the shallow. Ness of America, so he's gunning down like Kardashians and American Idol and like people, right. who, people who double park and people who order like from Starbucks or talking movie theaters, or talking which movie is my favorite. Yeah. He just kills them. Yeah, he just they just they Insane. both he and the little girl little break girl out guns and just blow people away. 
<laughs> it looks pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> um, how did we get to Zodiac? Because it felt like we just passed interesting territory Jack too the quickly. Ripper thing. Jack the Ripper. Mer- serial killer art. Yeah, breaking the Ripper case. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe we didn't pass interesting territory. <laughs> you know, there was this there was this great moment on the on the the bonus materials on the Blu-ray for Zodiac, which has a great extended cut. If you haven't seen it, I recommend it. Right. Um where they talk about, you know, just the filmmaking process and Fincher's involvement and when they were first looking I and I'm once again I'm paraphrasing just by memory here, but when they um when they were first looking over, going over the Lake Berryessa scene and uh-huh. deciding how to shoot it and whatnot, there's this amazing dialogue where the, the lead investigator, I guess, on the case yep. was basically telling the film crew where things actually happened. Like the body was here yeah. and the killer stood here and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And Fincher's wandered off, like, I don't know, some like 30 feet away. Yeah. And he's like, no, I think it happened over here. And the, the the cop goes, you know what? You're totally right. I, how did you know that? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he, he knew it better than the investigator did. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what I remember, one other thing from the Lake Berryessa scene is that there was a mature tree located, you know, exactly here because they. The Zodiac, they saw the Zodiac approaching, oh, and yes. then he disappears behind this tree yes. and then reemerges, and the tree was gone. When right? they, well, yeah, the, in it had died of natural times. causes in the ensuing 30 years or whatnot. So the, Mr. Fincher, the fetishist, has them fucking fly in a tree, fly in and plant a mature tree of exactly what, you know, likely would have been the species of tree that was growing on that site yeah. just to get it again, like as fetishistically accurate as possible about those crimes and how the, exactly how they went down. So, yeah, he's, uh, I, I, Hats off to David Fincher. Hats off to David Fincher. And and to to clarify my, and, and to clarify my sort of glib gimmicky comment, I, I, I don't find his filmmaking to be gimmicky. It's just that, there was nothing like zooming down hall, you know, CGI hallways or doing any of this or. Well, no, there was really, yeah, there were no, there, there was, was none of this, the particular stylish. There was no technology. There, there were no tricks in it. You know, it was just he employed this in story, Fight Club this, this or quiet, Seven. It's this quiet procedural story that yeah. I found to be absolutely compelling. I Although mean, actually you could say. An evolution of what you're referring to from his earlier pictures is the CG shot that is that basically follows the cab through the streets of San Francisco. Yes, after the you're moment right. the cabbie picks up what we you know picks up the Zodiac at in Union Square in front of I think what's now the ACT Repertory Theater, right, and then drives over to basically like. I don't know whether it's Pacific Heights or it's right overlooking the Presidio, yeah. which is where, and I've been there. I've done all this stuff with the Zodiac. I've not been to the Lake Berryessa site, but I've been exactly where... Oh, I didn't know that. That's cool. Oh, yeah, I've been exactly where he iced the cabbie and then took the route provided me by 
David Pryor, who is David Fincher's DVD producer, who'd mm-hmm. done all this meticulous documentation as well, as to after he shot the cabbie, then we believe he walks down this street, he turns left here, he turns right here, and he enters the Presidio right here. I've I've done all that, wow. and it's it's very very interesting, you know. Love that movie. Yep. You know, yep. Fincher by the end of that movie was not. Fincher went into that movie basically like wanting to leave the door, as I understand it, and I'm sure this is covered in depth and on the Blu-ray and stuff. But wanting to really not particularly sold himself personally on. Um, Oh, the guilt of what's his name? Uh, Lay Allen. Yes. Yeah. Rob Robert Lay Allen. Robert Lay Allen, right? maybe. Yeah. No. But m- kind of, sort of, by the end of going through his process on this movie, I think was more comfortable with the potential guilt of that person. And again, even there, within the last year or two, I think he had a. That guy had a descendant who came out and sort of, you know, gave a gave a few uh, press conferences in San Francisco in San Francisco by City Hall. Yeah, on her uncle being the Zodiac killer, and she had always she had been. That's right. That's right. And I think people were sort of. Anytime I see anything related to the Zodiac, I always send it to David Pryor and Keith Clark, and in hopes that they'll forward it to Fincher. Or, you know. Um. There's a long history of that, isn't there? Of, of kooks coming out of the woodwork and yeah. Well, I mean, the Zodiac, like Jack the Ripper, is you know those murders are are uh, remain open. Yeah, they are unsolved. So, God, do you remember that guy who came out after the Jean Benet Ramsey thing? Yeah, that that really creepy guy, just like I killed Jean Benet Ramsey. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> just like, like no. Whoa. and it turns out like he of course didn't but he really wanted to be thought of as the person who did oh yeah so weird bless strange world (laughs) what's Uh, our title then i'm shreepy i'm shreepy is it bless it could just be bless episode 20 bless i kind of like that i like that too bless period though matt okay you're the one who does got it. it i got the punctuation down man and that's probably a wrap. Wow, has it already been? Has it already gone? Past? We're what? We're over an hour. Yeah, we're like an hour seven. Though. Oh wow, hour seven. Cool, an hour and seven minutes. Well, that was quick. Yeah, Gosh, we didn't even talk about music. Crazy. No, we'll have to have you back. I, I mean, had... you're, you're the one to say that. I'm sorry. We'll have to have you back. <laughs> <All right>. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. if we didn't put you all to sleep or terrify you with earthquakes or whatever yeah, I it know. Was. People love this shit. They love it. Let's do. Let's and we do give it him a little time. poltergeist like, and a little howling to keep like it mid afternoon. So we're. Oh no! There's no dude. It's like this is it. Oh, do you always do it at this time? No, we don't always do it. No, at this but, time, we but do it's at basically this exactly this, this <laughs> oh, experience. Oh, I see. I see. Well, Unless man, we, and I'm if we have Yolan with us, it's there's a little more snap, little crackle, more pop. And we did a late night once that didn't work out as well. I feel like didn't we do like an eight o'clock once where all three of us were fucking yeah probably dragging yeah. It's always a function. We always re- we sort of tend to record at different times. Yolan obviously is not available during weekdays, um, and it's just about us getting our schedules together, really, yeah. as to when we do it. Matt Cohen is going to Vegas. I am busy. I'm a busy beaver. When are you back next week? Uh, Friday, I believe. 
Oh well, so we're gonna have to we'll crank next weekend then. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And no, I got next weekend cleared. Week, yeah, yeah. Episode twenty one. We'll be there. Yeah, I'm doing a. Uh, I'm hosting a party at an arcade on the twenty uh, fourth. I'll actually be back Saturday morning. Now that I think about it, but we'll bust it out. Saturday or Sunday, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. You're post. You're hosting a party at an arcade. Yeah, I'm doing a podcast. Uh, Plug it up, f- yo. I mean, a friend of mine. Um, my friend Misty's hosting like a gaming party and like a, a dance central tournament, and then I'm doing a live bagged and boarded with Max Landis, John Landis's son. What's up, Chronicle? We didn't even I'm talk about that. Did you, have you seen Chronicle yeah, yet? I loved it. We, but yeah, I really, really liked it. Yeah, What's so up? Did I. Pass along I the. Um, who knew that you knew? Did I know that you knew Max Landis? I don't think so. Did I just put an extra syllable on Max Landis's first name? Probably. I think I kind of did. Uh, yeah, I'll let him know. Real, yeah, so is there going to be another one or what? I mean, I'll find, I will definitely find out. You'll have to tune into Bagged and Boarded next week. I people. thought, um, <laughs> DiCaprio was never better than he was in the third, <laughs> third act especially, of that movie. Especially, yeah, when he was He's playing, lost weight too, which playing, is, yeah. uh, you know. When he was playing Tetsuo from, uh, from Akira. Yeah. <laughs> my favorite, my favorite, favorite. But you know what, dude? It's like the Matrix. When you see the Matrix, especially people who are, you know, the ain't it cool gang or whatever, who are so versed. In every, you know, in every fucking DVD that's ever come out of any Asian country, totally right? right? They look at the Matrix and they're like, well, yeah, but this comes from this and this comes from it's this and this. It's but it's like how they put it together was new and interesting. And for people like me, who know a little, but that's it, it was, it felt fresh. And for me, Chronicle. I loved it. You know, I haven't seen a lot of these, um, found footage movies. I saw, uh, Blair Witch Project, and then I got off the bus. You know, I haven't seen any of the paranormal activities. Um, so for Chronic with Chronicle, it was just uh, I thought it was good stuff. It was really good stuff. And the the, the thing go that, see Chronicle. Yeah, go see Chronicle. That's, that's definitely. our parting message of the show. That go is see fucking well. And the th- the thing go about it Chronicle. is, is that it, it really pays off too. Like that third, it goes that there. Third act, it goes there. Yeah. I did not see that coming. No, it's yeah. I did not see that coming. It was just like. Ooh, this yeah. got a lot bigger than I expected. So, yeah, which is awesome. <laughs> really awesome. For a movie that's shot in what, South Africa? Yeah, I did not think South it Africa for Seattle. <laughs> oh. I didn't think the scope I didn't, know would, that. I didn't cool. think the scope would open up that much at the end. It yeah, no, crazy. it was yeah, totally was surprising. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really good effects yeah. by and large. All, all good. Go see yeah. Chronicle. Go y'all. see Chronicle. Yeah. I guess that's it, right? I Team believe Jack so. episode twenty. Bless. Period. Thanks for having me. It's been grand. Chris Hogue on Twitter. And ChristopherHogue.com, H-O-A-G. Yes. And that's it. Um, we always say out at the end of an episode. And like the one time I didn't, I took shit from like Greg Daniels or one of our listeners on Twitter. Like, you didn't say out. What the fuck? <laughs> so I think Greg Daniels, hopefully I've got your name right. This one's for you. Episode 20, out. 